So now my daughter comes. Um, this is an unexplainable love. This is what you consider unconditional love. I think all love has conditions. But your children, no. There's no conditions on that love at all. My daughter, um, like I said, that love is unexplainable. But that following, that following um, Father's Day, my son got me a gift. He doesn't even, he, this is the first, if he would ever hear this podcast, he wouldn't even, he'd be like, he probably wouldn't even know what he got me. He probably like, I don't even remember getting that, you know, but he got me something that I was like, you know, this was the perfect gift. That was, it was the best gift I've ever received. It was two bracelets. One said hope and the other one said love, but it was symbolic for my children. Hello there, I'm Yonka Kamara. Welcome to Kume Turning Point Diaries, where we share stories of critical moments in our personal and professional lives. Today, I'm talking to James Crawford, a young black educator from Pennsylvania. James is also a high school basketball coach and above all, a father of two beautiful children. He shares the story of turning points in his life that include the loss of his grandfather, the only significant male elder in his life, and the bewildering circumstances under which he met his father at the age of 22. Welcome, James. Thank you, Yoga, for having me. <laughs> so, James, can you tell us what led you to become a teacher? Um, honestly, um, just, just being around the youth. Hmm. Um, when I was younger, uh, seventh, eighth grade, I had a teacher believe in me, uh, actually more than I believed in myself. Mm -hmm. um, so as I got older, uh, I started to give back into, uh, to the community, uh, working with youth. I've been working with youth for over 10 years now. Um, just giving back and, and letting the youth know, like, it's possible. Mm -hmm. You can come back. You can become whatever you want to become. Um, and I also can relate to them. Yeah. Um, they look at me. They see tattoos. Um, six four. You know, I played basketball. Um, they look at me as a, a role model. You know, I'm phasing out. I'm getting a little old. I'm a dinosaur <laughs> at this point. Um, but they they still look up to me. Um, I'm still like the cool dad yeah. right now. So. Yeah. So what's the demographic of the school? You oh, it's 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 primarily black. Okay. Um, African Americans. Um, we have Hispanics. Um, probably makes up the the highest percentage after African Americans, okay. and then uh, Caucasians after that. Are you one of very few male teachers at the school, or um, are there other? We have male teachers. I'm one of four black males in the building okay. we have one administrator who actually they just moved out of the building um and put him into the administration building okay um which is connected to the school but he doesn't have that presence um and then also we have two other black teachers okay. on, on uh, and me as well so yeah. it'll be three total and you've been an administrator in the past yes as well. yes yes i was previously a dean of students of a high school okay um and that was a primary black and that was a little bit higher percentage you're probably about 90 percent black <laughs> <laughs> the 10 percent uh hispanic or just um other yeah what made you um switch to teaching from dean um, to, to back to teaching i left you have an impact as a dean um but not like teaching okay. uh you have like a dean you probably you, you usually only get the kids when 
they've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. It's usually they usually don't like seeing me. It's like they call me Dean Bean. I have a bald head. They be like, "Here come Dean Bean," <laughs> so they want to run into class. <laughs> but uh, I always thought it was funny, um, and I, I was able to build relationships, even though um, they saw me as the um, disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. Um, I still built a, a very good relationship with uh, the kids, and that's that job there. Um, kind of sold me on the education system completely and I was like I'm full throttle I'm in a thousand percent at this point um I just saw the impact that I was making in that short duration yeah so you were administrator first before you yes oh okay. yes yes I was fortunate enough um to have that opportunity I had the educational background um but did you study in college I, I studied criminal justice okay. and then I went into my master's program for education um and that was that at that point right there, I was I was like I'm in I'm right. in a thousand percent here. Um, our youth need us, yeah. um, and if it wasn't going to be be me, then who? Um, and and who can relate to them more than someone who was one of these kids at one point? Yeah. Um, you you mentioned earlier that um, that you're also a basketball coach, right? yes, and you played basketball. I yes. know that you played basketball in college. Uh, what what was that like being a, a a college athlete. And... Oh, where do you start? Where do you start? <laughs> I mean, it's 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 an opportunity. You travel all around the country. Um, you you play um, in sold out arenas. Um, fans. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Um, but there is demands. There's a lot of demands on you. Um, the eyes are always watching. Um, every decision you make has to be the right decision, or you may be on ESPN somewhere. Mm. Um, so there is a lot of pressure, especially for for an eighteen year old young man, nineteen, twenty year old man. Um, it's it's a lot of pressure. Um, you're 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 put in position where you almost you almost feel like a slave. Almost mm. um, you you get they're they're paying you uh, you know thirty forty thousand dollars scholarships to come play basketball. You're an entertainer. Um, you come in, you you play, and you do something that you love. Um, but there's times where you receive threats like, yeah, if you're not doing this, then you're losing the scholarship. Wow. Um, there was times where I would have to get up at four or five in the morning just to work out. But I loved it. I enjoyed it because that was what was instilled in me, hard work. Um, and also as well, it, it's like they, they put all these stipulations mm-hmm. in where, you know, you may not be able to receive money. Now it's changing. I mean, there's there's a lot of advocates for um, college athletes being paid, which I believe they're also able to get paid now. But back then when I played, that wasn't even an option. You would lose years of eligibility. Um, it was almost de- a deterrence um, to, to make any type of money off of your own name. Yeah. Um, very unfortunate. Uh, but now, like I said, the times are changing. I think they have the right representation in place. And um, the college athletes are becoming more and more aware that, you need us just yeah. as much as uh, we need you, yeah. you know. Um, I mean, but as far as the experience, I it was an experience, yeah. you know. Um, you, you can't, I wouldn't change it. I, I would not change it. Um, I made amazing friends, um, long-term friends. I, I go to Michigan to see a teammate, Florida, Georgia. Um, I don't pay for anything, you know. Yeah. You go there just to just to have fun. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that and the relationships that I built. And we were all and different we all come from different walks of life um and I'm, I'm grateful for the relationships that i built in college and 
you were not only that, you were also a father, a young father yes, at the time, yes. right? You- um, so I, I became a father at 20. Um, I'll never forget. I was actually in Cleveland, Ohio. I was I played uh, college basketball for Cleveland State at the time. Um, I was on a trolley. Um, a trolley um, is just a uh, it's a bus. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, so they, they called it the trolley. So um, I was on the trolley, and um, I received the mother. I received a call from the mother of my children, and uh, she just was stating like, "Hey, I'm pregnant." Um, she didn't know what to do. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Right now. Um, so I was like, all right, I'll be home this weekend. I uh, went to my college coach. Hey, I have a situation. I need to go home for a few days. Um, I went home and, um, she's Catholic. Yeah. She's Catholic. You can never, as a man, you can never tell a woman what to do with her body. Um, regardless how I felt, I would never tell a woman what to do with her body. Um, she, we decided to keep my son now, who is 13. Um, he just turned 13 on February 4th. Happy birthday, yeah, baby happy boy. Birthday. <laughs> uh, but um, it, that was a change. That was a turning point in my life um, that actually uh, led into a couple other turning points, um, which completed a full term for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it was difficult, especially being a young father. Um, diapers. um wipes you know formula she didn't <laughs> breastfeed um and it was difficult but i had a great support system in my family um they were always there her family was was great in supporting our son um and it was different um especially especially like i said doing all the school all the sports um in, in college and and what that does is you you lose a sense of yourself playing college sports and things like that. Um, I, I always checked on my son, but we it was a lot of demands. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, um, to the point where you don't even know pain. Um, like I have a broken pinky now, so this to this day still broken. But I played through that. I just pretty much take my finger. They gave me a medical sleeve to cover, um, and you lose that stuff, and you start to raise. It, it goes into how you're raising your children and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, because I wasn't raised that way. Um, I was I was raised how the sports are. You know, if you you know if you're hurt, you can play through it. If you're injured, that's something totally different. There was a big difference between hurt and injured, and mm-hmm. I learned that uh, just playing sports. Yeah, uh, and then your son's mother moved. To- she actually moved to Georgia with me. Okay. Uh, when I originally went to uh, Valdosta, oh. Georgia. Um, she came with me. She was with me for about six, seven months. Uh, we decided that, you know, me being on the road and um, just constantly in the gym, it was best if she went back home with our support system being there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was difficult for me, um, not being in my son's life. But I knew what I was doing and the location I was at was what was best for me, him, and my family at the time. Yeah. And then you, after college you had the opportunity to possibly play basketball? Yes, yes. Um, That was a very difficult decision for me not to play uh, professionally overseas. Um, But it was more important for me to be in my child's life. Um, But that also, it was also another deciding factor. I wanted to come home and um, be with my grandfather as well. Um, He was was sick at the time, and I had just lost my father um, maybe a year prior, a year and a half prior. And it was very difficult for me. That was a very, very dark time in my life. Were you close to your father? No. Um, actually, a funny story. When we were, uh, when I was a senior in, in college, 
um, I got a call with my father uh, being on his deathbed. Uh, my father went into um, to the hospital for a simple carpal tunnel surgery on his wrist. Uh, my father had heart problems. Um, the doctor, I'm not sure if the doctor was aware or wasn't aware, but, you know, the, one of the options was to actually just block off the arm um, and perform the surgery. Um, they decided to sedate him, um, and his heart was not strong enough to come back. Um, so he had oxygen. He had he was without oxygen to the brain for about 22 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Um, so he was a vegetable. So I, I received the calls that I needed to come home immediately. Um, I I flew home. I, I went to the hospital. My mother came with me, actually, um, which I thought my mother hated my father. But at that moment, my mother was crying. So I knew that my mother loved my father, um, which was it was confusing to me because i always thought my mother like hated my father so i was kind of confused like why are you crying yeah because i wasn't crying no they weren't together so i i wasn't even crying you know so i I went into the room with my father um and this here was a turning point in my life this was that that started that turn Mm -hmm. you know my my son being born was a little turn now my father on his deathbed was another turn of the shoulder um so I go in there, I ask everyone to leave out, and I, 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 I ask my father, I forgive my father, I, I, I forgive my father. In that and moment. Just, in that moment, I just, you know, I told him straight up, um, you know, I forgive you for not being a father to me, um, but I also thank you. Because you made me into the best father that I can be. I never want my son to ever feel the feelings that I had of not having a father. You know, going fishing, shooting hoops, uh, riding a bike, things like that. I always made sure I was there in those highlights uh, for my son. And that was because I didn't have those highlights. Mm -hmm. They were with my grandfather, uncles, um, friends, family, you know, whatever the case may have been. Uh, But it wasn't him. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did apologize uh, I mean, I, I did ask, I, I did forgive him, and I, I thanked him as well. Um, so at that moment, the doctor came in, and he discussed options about my father having pretty much 72 hours on life support. And at that point, I guess that was the cap, um, 72 hours. Wow. If you weren't able to breathe on your own um, in 72 hours, then it needed to be reviewed if the plug needed to be pulled or not. Um, I was next to Ken um, at this point, 22 years old, and I was next to Ken. He was divorced. Um, so all the responsibility was, was, was laid on me and, um, that was rough. Um, that was because like I said, looking at that man, well, he was like a stranger to me, even though I knew who he was, I knew we didn't have the greatest relationship. Um, and like I said, he wasn't there in those highlights of my life. Uh, my mother was always there my family, my aunts, uncles, uh, grandfather and my grandfather. That was like my father figure. Um, I also had, I also had one of my basketball coaches who, and that also leads into, you know, why I became the things I became in my career. Um, but my father, um, I, I meet with his mother, his brothers, his sisters, my aunts, uncles, my grandmother. Um, and we're standing outside in the lobby area and I I waved the doctor over and I I explained to him, like, this man is a, a stranger to me. I don't want this type of responsibility to to pull a plug on a man that's a stranger to me. That's like you going into a room and randomly pulling a plug on someone. I'm not going to do it. I want the rights to come over to the the mother um, as well as the the siblings. Um, He looked me dead in my face with a blank stare and said, I can't do that. (laughs) 
he said it needs to be lawyers involved. 18 years old, I'm in college. I can't afford a lawyer um, just to transfer rights. Yeah. Um, so I said, all right. So he walks away. I tell the family, hey, whatever you decide, I'm going to um, relay that message over to the doctor. And um, it was a deadlock. There was an even number. Um, How many people involved? Uh, six total. Um, and uh, I was the deciding, I was that deciding factor. I chose um, to pull the plug. And I chose that reason, not out of spite or anything like that. It was because as a man, I would not have wanted to live in a nursing home as a vegetable. You're not living um, and you're existing. Um, so it was very difficult for me, but I think it was the right decision. And I think that there was some type of resentment from some of the family members that did vote against um, pulling the plug. Um, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm perfectly fine with that because, again, why would you want someone to to exist like that on earth? Yeah. And I know if the tables were turned and if it was me, I would want someone to pull the plug for me and not have me in a nursing home and putting that responsibility on anyone to, you know, change my diaper or, you know, change my feeding tube, whatever the case may have been. Yeah. And so that happens. And yes. how long, how many days did that take, that whole process? <clears throat> that was... Uh, so that was about a two-week process with two. everything okay. from from the funeral, um, which that was the one of the few things. Um, that's the only thing in my life that I would have done differently. Hmm. How so? Uh, um, I didn't attend his funeral. I I sent my son in replace of me. Um, Your son was how old? My son was three, three, two three years old. He he went. My mother took him. My siblings were there. Um, Why didn't you go? I was in the midst of college. Um, I didn't want anything. It was my senior year in college. Uh, we were number th we were number three in the nation. I didn't want anything to break my concentration. Um, I value family, but I didn't perceive my father as family, you know, unfortunately. Now that I'm older and a lot more mature, he is family. That's my father, no matter what. You know, no matter no matter what he, he gave he participated in giving life to me. Mm -hmm. Um and you can never change that, despite who he was to me. He still was my father. Yeah. So you go back to college. So I go, I go back to college and I just live my life. Um, not realizing I endured some trauma. Yeah. Did I you grieve? You like, I did not grieve. Do you, in retrospect, do you think there was things that you were doing that was actually yes. you yes. grieving? Cause people grieve in many different I, ways. And that, right? Well, I was coping. Mm -hmm. I was coping in different ways, negative ways. My coping skills were very negative. Um, I was I was doing drugs. Mm. Um, it was it was rough. I was I was drinking lean. I was mm. drinking. Uh, I was I was smoking marijuana. Um, I I mean it, it, I didn't care. I didn't have a care in the world. Um, I was living a lifestyle. You know we we were ranked in the nation. It was like we were rock stars at this point. Um, it was a dark place. It started. It started that path down a very dark tunnel for me. Mm. Um, so at this time, I'm just living my life um, in, in college. I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm enjoying it. My grandfather gets sick as well. Um, we lose in the Elite Eight. We lose in the Elite Eight, okay. um, which is the, it's only eight teams in the country in order for it to be number one, which would be crowned as the national champion. Um, we ended up losing. Our starting four and five failed a drug test, marijuana drug test. 
Were um, you part of that? No. Okay. No, I, I did not. I didn't even get drug tested. Um, but during the basketball season, we knew when tests were coming. Mm. Like, we were aware when tests would be coming. The NCAA had tested us maybe two weeks prior. They tested us maybe two weeks prior. Um, we weren't expecting another test. We beat the number one team in the country on their floor. We go into the bathrooms, I mean, to the locker rooms to change, and this 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 Caucasian gentleman comes in, followed by two other Caucasian gentlemen, and say, hey, we need these names. Boom, 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 boom. Um, and they have these cups. So we're all like, shit. We had, a, we had a kid named Christian Hunter on the team. And my name was was very similar. Yeah. And uh, he said the name, and my eyes lit up like, who? Can you repeat that? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I'm like, oh, I know my urine's dirty. So at this point, uh, we, we, <laughs> so we, we're all in scramble mode at this point. We had people who did not smoke on the team. Yeah. We got Gatorade bottles. They pee in the cups for us, or these Kate Peenies Gatorade bottles. We pass it off. They put it in their tights. The only, the only person that we didn't need was able to remove that and pour it into the cup. The two that we could have used, you know, for our next game, drop the urine to their ankle oh. to the point where they couldn't get it now. Oh. So they had to actually use their own urine. They failed oh. the drug test. Um, we lost any late. I went into a state of depression. I did not. I was unaware of that at the time, but looking back in hindsight, I was depressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I was. I was. I was very depressed. Because um, basketball was like the only thing that keeping you going. That was the only thing. That was the only thing. That was my number one coping skill for my entire life. Um, it was. It was motivation for me. I always wanted to become the best. Um, it was just, it was that coping skill. Like if I, if I was going through something, I would go in the gym mm-hmm. and I would shoot a hundred shots, hundreds and hundreds of shots until my, you know, my arm would spasm. Um, I always have muscle spasm on and then I would shoot with the other arm until I couldn't shoot anymore. But it was a, a coping skill that worked for me. Mm-hmm. So now I played my final game as a college athlete. Um, I didn't know what to do. I had no direction. My grandfather's sick. I'm talking to him still. Um, it was it was it was hell for me. It was hell on earth. Um, and at that moment, um, I didn't know what to do. I graduate college. Um, I moved back home. My grandfather's sick at this point, and. and this, How long after your dad passed did your is, grandfather he's, he sick? It was shortly, right after, directly after. Um, so he, his, his stomach can, cancer came back. He had other health issues going on. Um, it was bad. Uh, I came home. I was, you know, checking on him every day. There would be times where I'd come in the house, and it was it's extremely hot over the summers. And this was one of the hottest summers we had in years. And um, i come in my grandfather's room, and... Uh, he had the air conditioner off. It was a, it was the, the air conditioner was reading 106 degrees in the room. And I said, what are you doing? And his responded, trying to leave. Wow. So he was trying to pretty much kill himself at that point. I didn't tell anyone that I didn't tell him. I just cut the air on. Um, I took his remote cause I knew he was, he wasn't getting out the bed. So I took his remote. I put it on a comfortable temperature. Um, I didn't make it too cold. Uh, 
I put it at 79. So it wasn't extremely cold, but it wasn't hot. Um, I put on 79. I never told anyone that story. At that moment, I went every day to go check on my grandfather at some point in the day, usually early afternoon, uh, make sure he was fed. My sister did the same thing as well. Um, my my aunts, everyone went yeah, some, throughout the day. It was yeah. a schedule. Um, but it was also spontaneous at times, you know, uh, very random. Um your grandmother was li- is living, she, right? Yes, she was. She was working at the time, and it became a whole lot for her. Um, she, they, the family decided to put him in a nursing home. My grandmother just couldn't do it anymore. Um, I was upset. I was very upset with that decision um, because I knew how bad he just wanted to be home. It didn't matter if he wanted to die; he wanted to die in his own home, and I, I respected that. So he went to uh, to a nursing home and. Uh, it was one of the worst places ever for him. And I knew he was just dying, you know. So I was, no matter what, you can never prepare yourself for death. So I was trying to prepare myself for, for death. This would have been, this is the first time I've actually experienced the process of death, let alone a major death mm-hmm. in my life. Um, because like I said, my father and I didn't have a close relationship. So at this point, uh, I would go out every single day to check on him. And uh, one day, I, I worked about 14, 15 hours. At this point, I wasn't even in an education system. I was in uh, distribution. Okay. Um, and I'm working at this, I'm working at this company. Um, great money, horrible hours. Um, but at, my, at this point in time, I was more about money than anything else. So uh, I get off work, and I, I'm with the mother of my children, and I'm like, hey, do you mind running me out to see my grandfather? It's pouring out. I'm tired. You know, I work extremely hard. And she looks me in my eyes and says, no, she's tired too. So I'm like, what the hell? So at this point, I'm, I'm frustrated, but I'm like, you know what? I'm so exhausted. I'm just getting a shower. I'm going to go to bed. Fine, I'll see him tomorrow. Tomorrow never came. Um, I got calls at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Um and it was just text message calls. So I finally called my mother back. She's crying hysterically um, and said, like, he's gone. Mm-hmm. And um, at that moment, I just hung up the phone and I cried. That was the first time I cried as a man. Um, I didn't cry when my father died. Um, again, he was like a stranger to me. You know, um, I knew, like I said, I knew who he was. We have spent time together, but my grandfather was like my father. He's who I looked up to. He's who I modeled everything after. Um, so when he died, I just cried. And the mother of my children was like, you know, you don't know he's going yet. I'm like, well, my mother just said that, you know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I know he's gone. Um, so I'm, I'm just crying. Um, I'm like, I got to be strong for my, for my son. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not going to understand. Like that was pretty much the only living grandfather he left. I, I didn't have a relationship with my, my father's father. Uh, my father's gone. Now my grandpa's gone. Mm. Um, it was like, you have any? You don't have any more other than your mother's mm. father. Um, so uh, I go, I kiss my son. I I go to my grandmother's. You know, we converse and everything. But this right here created a monster. Um, this was the complete turn for me. Mm. This is where I'm full. I'm in the dark. There's no light behind me. There's no light in front of me at this point. Um, I didn't see anything but darkness. I didn't care about others' feelings. Um, I didn't care about myself, my health, anything. It was like 
who cares at this point? I didn't have that guidance that my grandfather always gave me great advice. Um, even when I wasn't receptive to the advice, you know, years later, I'm like, that was great advice, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I always hear his voice, you know. Um, I, I don't speak to him per se, but there's situations that, you know, I'm in. I'm like, you know, what would my grandfather do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, this at this point now, I'm back to, to smoking uh, marijuana heavy. Um, basketball was, I, I got into coaching a little bit. And I was like, I'm not going full throttle in this. I just wasn't there. And um, once I got into coaching, the marijuana stopped, the alcohol stopped. It was like, this was my number one coping skill. Mm-hmm. Um, this was my number one coping skill. And then, like I said, one day I just, I was like, this this has to be my life. I have to invest um, in my community, our youth, um, because if, I didn't have the the adults in my life at the time. Um, things could have been very bad for me. Mm-hmm. I could have made the wrong decisions. I grew up in low income housing, um, where you know my one of my best friends did nine plus years in prison. Um, we grew up in the same neighborhood, you know, and did the same things. Mm-hmm. I just didn't happen to be with him during his spree of crimes and things that he yeah. was doing, you know, uh, because basketball. Yeah, uh, basketball helped save my life on top of my son. Um, and uh, so now, now I'm at a point where I just have no guidance from my, my uncles or uh, miles and miles and miles away. Uh, one wasn't even in the country at the time. Other ones seven, eight, eight, seven or eight hours away. Um, I had no guidance. It was like, I am, I'm the head of the family right now. I do whatever yeah. I want to do. You know, um, my aunt, you know, as a man, you're not listening to a woman as much. It's kind of <laughs> like, hey, it is what it is. Um, but, um, I still, I still respected my aunt. I respected her husband. I, I always idolized their relationship, you know? Um, but it wasn't like the advice from my grandfather, mm. you know? So I wasn't really receptive to too much advice. Um, so I just kind of just did what I thought felt good to me. And I didn't care about how it made others feel. Um, so I became heartless at this point in my life. Um, and then, Again, something just clicked for me where I had to just like, you know, this can't be my life. I got back. I got into coaching. I went full throttle with it. Um, And then something sent me back. I saw my son cry Mm. for the first time. How old was he? He was about eight, nine, Mm. eight or nine. To me, eight or nine, I'm like, you're too old to be crying, dude. Like, you know, that doesn't make you, that doesn't change anything. Crying does not change anything. And it doesn't make you feel better because that's what I was. That's how I was raised. You know, the men didn't cry in my family. We weren't crybabies. We weren't. We wouldn't cry. The neighborhood. My mother raised me the same way. You know, if you're losing, go find a way to win. You know, if you fight, don't you leave that fight till you win. Um, it was just it. It helped me in sports, but it affected me in relationships yeah. and different things like that. Um, I never really learned proper love. Um. My mother loved me for sure, but my mother raised me to be a man. Her perception of a man. My grandfather was in the military. He grew up in time where racism was huge. You know, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't that he was racist, but he wasn't the greatest white person <laughs> fan. You know, he <laughs> he wasn't for it. Yeah. Um, my grandmother was a lot different, um, but I was raised a lot different um, in regards to emotions. I, I wasn't. 
wasn't huge on emotions, mm-hmm. um, especially love. Other other than frustration or anger, yeah. um, I did have happiness, you know, um, but love is much different. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to the love <laughs> because I because I wanted that to segue into my my daughter, yeah. and that's who really taught me true love. Um, How old is she now? Um, she will be two April 28th. Taurus. Yeah. Yeah. Taurus. <laughs> I have a lot of those in my life. You do. I'm um, one. <laughs> yeah. So, um, at, at this point he cries and I don't even know what to do because one side of me is like, dude, why the hell are you crying? Then the other half is you don't have to raise him that way. Yeah. Um, but then I always look like I turned out fine. <laughs> you know, at least I thought, you know, at least I thought. Um, but I at that moment, I was like, I need to raise my son different than how I was raised. I was raised to protect me from my environment and those around me. Um, he doesn't have to be raised that way. His mother was a loving person. So she naturally teaches him love. So our views on everything always conflicted. It was always an issue. Um, how I was raising him, how she was raised. And it really affected our relationships because we were raised totally different. Um, I was like, men shouldn't cry. She's like, men, it's, it's okay that men cry. It, so it always, it's mm-hmm. always, uh, we were always butting heads. Um, and that's, it, the relationship becomes toxic um, to the point where it's unhealthy for the child, creating yeah, more yeah. trauma. Um, so I was creating trauma for my son because of the trauma that I endured. Yeah. Um, I needed to address those things myself. Uh, I, I made it okay where my son, like, you can cry. Men do cry. It's okay for you to cry. You said that to him? I said that to him. I told him that with the hopes of him not crying. <laughs> but I did voice it to him. You know, I, I did voice him. I voiced it to him. Hey, it's okay to cry. Don't never let anyone tell you any different. You know, crying doesn't make you any less of a man at all. And I want you to understand that. And I apologize to him because I, I did tell him, like, you shouldn't be crying. And that wasn't true. Me not crying just built up frustration, anger, where I was a fighter. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I, it was only so many words you could say or I was swinging. Um, that's not life. That's not life. That, that's a life that will lead to imprisonment. You know, you're going to be in jail somewhere doing that. Um, I didn't want that life for my son, and I didn't have to raise him that way. Um, he had a mother and father who cared about him. Um, I was in his life. I can, I can teach him right from wrong and, and help him and guide him through the decision so he doesn't make the wrong decision based upon my own experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, his mother and I split and I still was actively in his life. Um, and then I get into another relationship. This created more trauma for my son in mm-hmm. a sense um, because it was my son's like my mom and dad aren't together anymore and he started to find out that manipulation role mm-hmm. like it's like okay your mom he's not going to give it to him I get it from my dad you know but it was causing issues um, so my, the, the mother mother of my children and I weren't on the greatest terms um, but I still was seeing my son. I, I got into another relationship, like I said. Um, that other relationship started to, I started to see light, mm. if that makes sense. I still was in these dark tunnels. I still was in this dark tunnel. 
I started to see um, light at this point. Um, she was showing me how to love, but I wasn't receptive. I wasn't receptive to it at all. Um, we ended up splitting up. I ended up trying to make it work with, with my son's mother. We ended up having another child. Mm-hmm. We ended up having another child. Your daughter. My daughter. And that right there was love. Because now I was aware of the trauma that I've been through. Um, I was receptive to love. Um, it was different. It was it was much different. Was and it immediate? Th- like when immediately, you- immediately. Um, but I was so conflicted, mm. and the reason why I was conflicted was because this very thing that made me happy shredded another woman's heart. Mm. It shredded another woman's heart because I knew another woman still loved me and I had another daughter. So it was like, damn, my happiness shouldn't be at the cost of someone else. Yeah. Um, and I think that very moment right there, I was like, I need to address my own personal battles, my own personal demons and, and address these things in order to love the proper way. Um, I did a few therapy sessions um, to the point where it was like, just talking about certain things and, and different things shed light and in a different perspective. It mm-hmm. helped me a lot as a man. And I needed to do that because it corresponded with my career and what I wanted to do. So did a few therapy sessions um, just about my actions and my decisions and my thought process. My thought process was very selfish. Um, so now my daughter comes. Um, this is an unexplainable love. This is what you consider unconditional love. I think all love has conditions, but your children, no, there's no conditions on that love at all. My daughter, um, like I said, that love is unexplainable, but that following, that following, um, father's day, my son got me a gift. He doesn't even, he, this is the first, if he would ever hear this podcast, (laughs) he would even, he'd be like, he probably wouldn't even know what he got me. He probably like, I don't even remember getting that, you know. But he got me something that I was like, you know, this was the perfect gift. That it was the best gift I've ever received. What was it? It was two bracelets. One said hope and the other one said love. Mm. And I don't know why he chose these two, but it was symbolic for my children. Mm. It was hope. When my son was born, it was hopes for a better me. And then when my daughter was born, it was love. She taught me love. Wow, and she taught me beautiful. how to love. So he may not even know. He probably <laughs> like, I don't even remember these gifts. But the hope was the hope was black and the love was pink. Mm-hmm. And it was symbolic for how I perceived my children. So I thought that was to this day is still the greatest gift that I've ever received outside of them. I hope he hears this. Um, <laughs> but it was but it was hope. When my son was born, like I said, it was it was a hope for a better me. Um, I was going to raise him a much better version um, than myself. And I'm going to have standards with him through education and, and just everything. You want to you break my own, you know, my, my personal records basketball-wise? Then you need to start working at it now. You know, mm-hmm. I, I set goals for him based upon his responses to what he wants to, you know, what goals he would like to set. Um, but my daughter is love. She really, she, she really uh, made me reevaluate how I love mm-hmm. and um, – she made me receptive to, to loving because I, I don't want my daughter to, to meet a knucklehead like I was. You know, I don't want her to, to meet a knucklehead and, and to fall in love with someone that 
could potentially break your heart. Um, I want to, I want her to be able to filter these men out and, and make the right decision. You know, if that's what she chooses to do. Um, but, uh, so my daughter comes and it was a battle for me for a while. Um, that, that tunnel of light closed, that tunnel of light closed on me. Um, but then my daughter was my, my, my candle mm-hmm. as I walked through that light, that, that tunnel. She was that love. Love is bright, yeah. you know, and she was her there being in my life. I walked through that tunnel by myself and with, with her, of course, yeah. you know, but I walked through that, that dark tunnel and she was my light through it all. And like I said, I, I went to, I went to therapy and I addressed a lot of things that I needed to address. Um, and then I ended up becoming a, uh, trauma informed teacher. Um, can you tell us more about that, what that means? It is a, a therapeutic approach, um, to, to teaching. And we focus more on relationship building, as well as teaching, but the relationship building comes first. The academics follow shortly after. Um, if you don't have a relation, relationship with someone, you're not going to be receptive to anything they teach regardless anyway. Mm-hmm. You're not going to retain the information. You know, it's like it's going to be one ear out the other. Um, so we, we focus on the relationship building. And the kids are, my, my students are amazing. You know, um, every student's in there for different reason. They're in there for different reasons. Some behavioral, mm-hmm. um, some just struggling academically, um, some just need a smaller learning space, but it's all linked to the trauma that they endured throughout mm-hmm. their lives um, thus far. And who would be a better teacher than myself? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm young, I'm black. Um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm heavily involved in the community still. Uh, the kids respect me. Um, and this is the neighborhood you you grew up in? Yes, or yes. In the same it's district? The same school district, same same area. Um, I actually graduated from the high school. Oh, wow. Um, attended the same middle school as well. Um, so it's Full circle. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, it's destined. It's destiny. Um, so I, I come back. I'm teaching. I'm coaching. And um, everything's kosher. You know, I, I, I like I said, I started to address my own traumas and... In order for me, to, in order for me to to help the youth, to mm-hmm. to help my children grow, yeah. um, so it, it led to, like I said, a full circle. Everything that happens is for a reason, you know. And everything in life is full circle. Yeah. You know, the moment we the moment we're born is the very moment we start dying as well. It's a clock. It ticks. We all have expiration dates that we don't know. Um, so it's. I mean, it's, it's, I've, I've been on an amazing journey. Yeah, you have. You know, I've been on an amazing journey, and it's, the journey is still continuing, like mm-hmm. I said. Um, but now I have a son and a daughter. Yeah. How know? do you know that you are doing a great job as a father? Because I know you, the other day you shared Oh, with yeah, me. I shared. Actually, um, <laughs> so, I, I would like to read that. You know, okay. it, it, was, um, it was a message just from, it was actually from a, a teammate um, from high school, uh, he was a little bit younger than me, mm-hmm. um, but he went on to about a a, a, a basketball game because I am, you know, I'm a high school basketball coach, and he congratulated me on the win, and then he followed up with, "Secondly, I have to compliment you on the job you have done raising Tristan. I know that might sound corny coming from me, but your son is one of the most respectful, smart, and aware kids I have ever coached. Sky's the limit for him, and it will be ignorant on my part not to compliment you on the job you have done. Thank you." 
So things like that, I, I receive things like that consistently. Um, not that I need reassurance from anyone else, but um, it is good to to receive those types of text messages and, and emails from teachers. You know, teachers say all the time, I wish I had 25 Tristans. Yeah. Um, so that that's an attest to not only myself, but his mother too as well. You know, she does a good job raising him as well. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, it's been wonderful chatting with you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yes, and just sharing your story and just being vulnerable. And I know that so many people out there who are going to be listening can relate in some ways right to not necessarily to the circumstances but to just emotions that we all experience in life and so thank you theme music by exile dynamics featuring more box Sound engineering by Wheels Kids.